You're listening to Campfire Conversations, brought to you by Three Rivers Land Trust. Connected to the land, committed to conservation. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Campfire Conversations podcast. I'm really excited about our subject matter as well as our guest today. Um, So we took this one on the road. You guys may be able to hear the lovely soundtrack of the Uori Mountains behind me. Um, We are at our Stancil property off of Low Water Bridge Road today. And we brought this podcast on the road, so we are not in the podcast studio in Backcountry and Beyond in beautiful downtown Salisbury. But we've got our, uh, it is, let's see, it's a BioLite power uh, unit that we brought with us. We got that from Jeff down at Backcountry Beyond. This is the mid-size model, like the 600-watt-hour model. We're using that on the porch of the cabin here at Stancil to power our podcast equipment and bring these awesome stories to you. So... Before we get going, you guys know I always like to kind of remind you of some stuff we got going on. So SAP Fall Draw is in full swing. If you missed out on that one, make sure to catch us for the winter draw. We'll do that in October. Check the website for exact dates um, a little bit later during the month of September. Other things we got coming up, we're entering the final six weeks of raffle ticket sales here. Time is running out. Um, I know I've said it before, but we don't set limits on how many tickets you can buy. So even if you've already bought one, I know most of my listeners probably have, feel free to head to trlt.org backslash raffle, grab some more tickets, increase your odds of winning. we got a great prize list this year. We're going to have an awesome party on the day of the raffle draw. It's going to be at the Town Stage Amphitheater in Troy, North Carolina at 10 a.m. We've got Barefoot Modern, a band from Winston-Salem, coming down to play some tunes for us. There's going to be a truck with breakfast burritos. There's going to be a food truck. Uh, Higgins and Son is coming. I think they're a local favorite. I've not tried their food. I've heard amazing things. I've heard they sell out early and often. So make sure you mark your calendars for Saturday, September 30th, 10 a.m. at the Town Stage Amphitheater in Troy, North Carolina. We're looking forward to it. We're going to give away $150,000 worth of prizes. We're excited. You should be excited. Make sure your name's in the hat. You could win some awesome stuff, and your money would be supporting local conservation, which is kind of, as always, adjacent to what we're talking about today. So our guest sitting here on the porch of the Stancil cabin with me is a guy that, it's funny, this is a thing that would have been weird to say maybe 10, 15 years ago, but I met this guy on the internet. (laughs) And now here we are fishing together. So this is Carter Aylesworth. He's a good buddy of mine, fishing guide and Montessori school kind of everything man out of Burlington, North Carolina. Well, thanks for having me. Um, Yeah. Met on the internet. That doesn't sound as weird now as it did probably back when we did, when when we met, but uh, yeah. But anyway, well, thank you. I mean, I'll never forget telling my wife, like, so you just, you've met this guy before, right? When you were coming to hunt, I was like, well, I mean, kind (laughs) of, we know a lot of the same people. She was like, but you've never actually been in the same room as him. I was like, no, she was like, that's weird. It wasn't Ashley Madison, (laughs) but anyway, um, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, So Carter and I are here today to one, uh, we just got off the river did some fishing this morning. Um, I think I've mentioned it on some podcasts before. If I haven't, you've probably heard me talk about it in person, especially if you've been around me at all since July 22nd, because that was the day that I caught a big one down here. But the smallmouth fishery in the Uori River, and really kind of the fishery as a whole, uh, based on what we witnessed today, because they are far from the only game fish uh, in there. And man, it's 
one of those things I had, I first saw Low Water Bridge like in December of 22. So right before I started, a friend of mine invited me to come hunt down here. And the first time I came down that road behind us and drove in, I remember being blown away. Like I had never, you know, like I told you on the river today, I felt stupid that I had lived so close, you know, within 58 miles my entire life since I was nine years old anyway. And only recently started coming down here and never seen this before. Never knew it was here. For sure. It's um, my first time in the region ever, really. So I you've never so. really been into the Uaris? No. So I grew up in Newport News, Virginia, which is kind of mouth of the James River and the Chesapeake Bay. Relocated to Richmond a little later. And then, as you know, I moved to Burlington shortly after I met my wife. I guess that was in 2018. Um, so kind of new to getting to know central north carolina western north carolina and other than passing through here this general area on the road now i've spent no time out here until today so yeah um it's a pretty incredible place yeah it's a beautiful area it's um you know it's one of those things that it all the highways in north carolina take you around yeah i drove within you know 20 miles of this place where we're sitting so many times in my life going to the beach and that's the joke that like i've picked up on people from here in montgomery county they're like oh yeah everybody goes through montgomery county on the way to the beach that's uh-huh. like all you ever hear you tell somebody from here oh i go through there on the way to the beach yep. it's like being from Laurenburg. like yeah yep, i go through there on the way yep we've heard that before we got you so i had driven through a ton of times uh but never really stop to look around and feel like kind of a fool for that but yeah here we are um man what did you like first impressions when you drove in were you expecting the topography so i really wasn't sure what to expect as far as topography i kind of looked on a google map a few times figured it would be foothills um but we talked this morning on the phone where was i was turning onto new hope road or something yeah, which think, I'm not sure I've ever driven there. But. Yeah, so coming from Burlington, I was I probably missed a turn or two on my way here, so it rerouted me. But I just hit a high point where I could look out to the west, see the mountains. I'm looking at beautiful rolling hills, agricultural land, nice hardwoods, and like, okay, I'm in the right spot. Yeah, where has this, this been? This is where I want to be. Um, it really, it's one of those things that doesn't, it doesn't look like it belongs. Like it shouldn't be where it is based on the landscape you see, and and you. You know, it's not super apparent everywhere you look. There's yeah. not a ton of major view sheds, but every now and then you catch a glimpse of, like, a mountainside. Yeah. You know, kind of over the back of a farm field, and you're like, wow, that, you know, that's legit. Yeah. That's a real mountain right there. Yep. When you could feel it in the temperature of the water. As soon as I stepped in the water, it was cooler than I had expected. Yeah, um, it was very much so. Smaller drainage. I think we were talking about that today. Yeah. Um, Something that I always love to talk about that I kind of like, I don't know, I'd never, uh, I'd never heard this. Like growing up, I didn't do a ton of freshwater fishing, so I kind of fig- started figuring most of this out as an adult and really in my early 20s doing it on my own. And I, the conventional wisdom, and I'm sure you've heard the same thing, is that in North Carolina, if you want to catch a smallmouth, you have to be north of 40 or west of 77. Okay. Somewhere like on the other side of the sort of border that those two highways make. Okay. Um, that, you know, the Dan River drainage has them, the Yadkin River drainage in the right spots has them, you know, all the kind of Catawba River headwaters, Burke County, Mitchell County, all that stuff around there, you know, or excuse me, Caldwell County. Um, 
and that's where the smallmouth are. And then down into South Carolina a little bit, like the Broad River, um, I've heard maybe it's or maybe it's the Catawba, somewhere around like know, Great Falls, South Carolina. Well, I know Catawba in North Carolina supposedly has them. Yeah, I've it definitely coming out of Lake James and further down like towards Charlotte, the Catawba has them. But still, north of forty or west of seventy-seven, yeah. and so this population here is really unique. When I first heard about them, I kind of. The first few times I came down here fishing for them, I didn't believe it. I was yeah. like, "Yeah, not really here." I, I don't, I don't know. It just you you heard about it, but I was skeptical. Yeah, very skeptical, because it kind of, especially when you come here in the summer, it can be a little bit low flow. Oh, yeah, there's not a lot happening. You're not seeing like the oxygenated water, the bubble lines, all the things that are sort of indicative of smallmouth and really kind of in a more extreme sense trout water. <clears throat> but that's what you're looking for and. It exists here, but not I, not the way I was used to seeing it. And it took me a second to figure out like where the fish were patterned, yeah. where they were sitting. I kept catching babies, um, and you know this. So I mentioned July twenty second earlier today, Carter. I mean, best guess. What do you think that fish was? I don't know. It, when when I caught it, I would have told you it was twenty two, but it's probably now looking at it seventeen, yeah. seventeen to eighteen inch, a full mature, full grown fish. Well over a decade exactly old. Exactly easy. I, what I think about when I'm driving to go smallmouth fishing. Can yeah. be happier with it? We've got some really good video footage of the fight, some great jumps. Um, excited to share that with you guys because yeah, that was fun. It was awesome, and it was kind of towards the end of, you know, it had been slow. I'd caught one, uh, maybe like 12 or 13 inches, yeah, not much to it. Pretty nice fish. Um, super low water. I think it was, we both expected it to be low, and then it was a little lower kind of than I, I expected when we got here so super spooky fish um but a great day there's a lot of value in going out on those days where you may not catch a lot of fish but we got to see what was around you got you saw a lot yeah of fish as you spooked them and you can learn a lot from doing that so um, yeah it was low and clear we saw a nice gar yeah, like nice a gar right off the bat um probably three feet yeah i mean he was yeah good 30 yeah 30 plus inch gar um we saw lots of suckers and some pretty good size on them doing their sucker thing, nymphing in the tailouts and flashing on their sides and stuff. Yeah, and a lot of baby smallmouth. Just kind of yeah. overall, like, I guess what we're getting to is this is a very healthy fishery. Healthy, quite diverse, obviously. Diverse fishery, for sure. Um, Crystal Cockman is our associate director. She is like the encyclopedia in the office that I lean on when I need identification help, when I need, you know, biological information about certain species of plants or animals. Like she, her and Emily, uh, for sure have kind of just an encyclopedic knowledge. It's insane. So I was asking her, uh, about it. Crystal does some fly fishing. She spent some time fishing in the Uari. was kind of one of the first ones that were like, no, there's definitely small mouth above low water bridge. They're definitely down below there. They're all through there. Um, and what she talks, I think there's five species of bass okay. available in the Uori River. There's, and this is not counting like the stuff that comes out of lake. So you've got largemouth, spotted, smallmouth, uh, rock bass, and Roanoke bass, which is okay. like a subspecies, not quite as common as rock bass of you know that family, which are really I think technically sunfish. I'm not sure. I got to look that up. I'm sure someone listening knows would love it <laughs> if you would. Uh, send me an email, will at trlt.org, and let me know if you think the Roanoke bass and the rock bass are in the bass family or in the sunfish family. But regardless, there's just an incredible diversity of species. And as you get down closer to the lake where it dumps in, you've got white bass. I think there's some stripers in there. 
very healthy catfish fishery. A lot of guys catfish on like Tillery and Baden. That's cool. There have been some, I want to say maybe some triple digit fish out of Baden. Huh. I'll have to ask a buddy. I've got a buddy who's a well-known big catfish fisherman, so he knows all the good haunts. I'll have to ask him. So kind of going back to the beginning of things, because one of the things I've the listeners have heard me say it a ton. You mentioned you listened to an episode. You probably heard me bring this up, but we like to talk to our guests about their conservation story. So in the context of fishing, because I know I mentioned at the beginning and, you know, should take a second to say that one of the raffle prizes is a trip with Carter. Yeah. Uh, maybe Smith River, maybe some other smallmouth water, depending on the time of year. You can do trout. You can do smallmouth. He can kind of do it all with you. Uh, but when... When did that journey start for you? Like, what's what's the first fish you remember catching? So, first fish I remember catching is tough. Um, I grew up, I think as you know, I, as I mentioned earlier, I grew up in Newport News, Virginia, mouth of the James River and Chesapeake Bay. James River's five miles wide there, saltwater fishery. Okay. Um, my granddad had a boat. Back then, the croakers were like the, the easy pickings. Everybody bottom fished for croakers. So I'm sh- I would be willing to bet that the first fish I caught was a croaker, and I don't really I mean I have tons of memories of doing that, but the most memorable early fishing memory to me was I was probably t- somewhere ten to twelve. I had become fascinated with the fly rod because of watching uh, Walker's K Chronicles. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah, that Saturday morning, Saturday ESPN two, oh, yeah, yeah, seven a.m. My dad would uh-huh. watch that if we weren't hunting or fishing, we were watching that. And I just thought the fly rod was the coolest thing ever. So, yeah, it was definitely a Sunday morning because then probably like the next week I'm flipping through, remember, the throwaways on Sunday morning, uh-huh. all the ads. Yeah. I found a $20, it was like $20 South Bend fly rod combo at nice. Big Lots and got my dad to take me up there and get it. And we had a little cabin out near Lexington, Virginia in the in the Blue Ridge and – um we went out there, and there's a little our, – our cabin backs up to a wildlife management area. And there's a little brook trout stream probably a quarter mile from the cabin, and it was, the pla- it was like the closest place that I could go fishing without my parents, right? I could just go back there myself. Yeah. And I took it back there with a dry fly, and probably an hour into the day, had a little brook trout come up and eat it on top, and I caught it, and it, like, consumed yeah. me. I mean, I just was totally taken by it. And so I always fished a ton, but that getting into those brook trout early and learning about what a fragile species they were, how long they'd been here, I think sort of kind of set me on a track of, like, let's not get it wrong. I love going fishing and catching fish, yeah. and I will, I'll keep fish in certain fisheries where I feel like it's a responsible thing to do, but catching that fish got me on a just on a you know conservation mindset of like these are incredible creatures i want to be able to experience this for the rest of my life i want my kids to experience this and like that kind of was my looking back that's like what makes me want to guide and everything is sharing those type of experiences and hopefully kind of lighten that fire in some other people because the truth of the matter is for so many of us like somebody did that with you oh yeah at some point, For whether sure. it was like to start you out or to like unblock you, move you further into your journey oh, as yeah. a sportsman, a fisherman, you know, what have you, like someone, probably multiple people yeah, in say, a lot I'm of cases. Here thinking, yeah, saying this, there's people who are still doing it. Like, that, if you're fortunate, you've got you know, kind of people helping you out 
the whole way. Took time to teach you to do things, to teach you to do it the right way. Because that's, um, you know, it's so easy to get wrapped up in wanting to be away from beginners and not wanting to take them with you because it'll slow you down. It's just, you know, I'm yeah. sure you've had some clients where, like, it's hard not to get frustrated, but at the end of the day, you that's this all goes away if we don't create new fishermen, if we don't create new hunters, if we don't create new farmers, you know, 100%. outdoorsmen, all that stuff. Like, it, it just goes away. Definitely. Definitely. And I think everyone probably you get to a certain point when you've fished enough or you've done anything enough where you start to get as much enjoyment out of watching somebody else do it as you would for sure it yourself you know i mean i loved catching that 20 inch fish today but watching a client catch that 20 inch fish for the first time i mean that's you can't beat that you know it's not just a little bit related to the tip you know might be coming that your way always <laughs> nothing that never hurts but it yeah. is fun no, it's it's a lot of fun i um no for sure man i didn't i was kind of done fishing after you caught that fish today Oh, yeah. We checked the box. Yep. Mission accomplished. It was like, no need to get greedy. There's maybe a bigger one that'll eat in here, but... Yeah. Let's that, yeah. Money. Why? Why yeah. keep going? Well, and it's funny, as we, were, as we were driving away from the ramp, I was thinking to myself that I'm kind of excited that I have more water right here to explore, still haven't seen. Yeah. Because, yeah, I haven't been uh-huh. down any. There's more to go up, and... To me, that's a lot of fun, too. Those first few times down a river when you're learning it um, and exploring it, that's kind of the most fun, I think. I've heard they're in the little as well, which I think enters the PD a lot further down after it comes out of the bottom of the lakes, maybe. Well, after today, I'm I'm down to check out most tributaries in the area. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's kind of amazing to think about because, I, like I said, I just saw Low Water Bridge for the first time you know, within the last year. Um, which, as much as I love it now, it's kind of embarrassing to admit, but, you know, is what it is. I, um, I'm i amazed to think that it's looked like that. You know, it's just kind of existed unchanged. One of our uh, employees, Emily, her family is from Montgomery County, and she has mentioned before, I think she said, you know, we were talking in the office about how, you know, back in the day, they, like, school buses were driven by the high schoolers. Yeah. Like, if you went to elementary school in the 70s in North Carolina, like, your school bus was driven by, like, a 15, 16, 17-year-old. <laughs> Um, which side note, cause we're sitting here having some glass bottle sun drops. Sun My drops. uncle did that in Sampson County in the, I guess it would have been like probably early mid seventies. And he said his driver test to get passed off to do that. The old guy like set him down in the school bus is going to have him drive the route. And right before he started, he cracked open a glass cold, like ice cold glass bottle of Pepsi and set it on the doghouse, like the engine oh, wow. compartment right there in between them uh-huh. and said, if you can drive the whole route and not knock that bottle oh, over wow. you're good nice you got the you got the gig so anyway yeah her dad drove the school buses in montgomery county for elementary school kids and like took the school bus full of elementary school kids across that bridge <laughs> that we just put in and took out at and it's just sat here existed protected and unchanged for all this time it's really yeah. you know it's great i know if you're here listening it's because you like that kind of thing i feel like we talk about it a lot but man i you know how incredible that it'll just always look like this. You know, it's, it's always going to be here. It's always going to look like this. As long as you or I, or any of our kids are walking around, um, that's what it's going to look like. And I really don't think these fish have seen very many flies. I don't know if, if y'all know anybody that has done uh, an extensive amount of fly fishing down here, let us know. But I, I've yet to talk to anybody 
that I know of that, you know, hadn't done any, has done anything but spin fish down here. I kind of feel like there's, you know, it's under pressured yeah. and to a major extent. Definitely. And it was funny, you know, today's one of those days too, where I think as a conventional fisherman, you could have been discouraged today on low water, throwing your typical go-to baits that are splatting the water pretty hard and this low water, the fish have time to analyze everything. You may not have done that. Yeah, well, it's clear. But I mean, a nice light presentation from a fly rod, something natural looking, really helps. I think being able to size down too. I yeah. didn't see any. I mean, there were a lot of you know, three to eight inch suckers swimming around, but outside of that, like I didn't, I didn't really see anything that a clouser or a zoom fluke or something would have imitated. Well, I mean, I fished a clouser for a while, yeah. didn't. I mean, and I'm sure certain times of the year they're eating those, but we like we talked about while we were fishing, and I feel like this is a huge, this is always the case, fishing either summer or winter, but you're thinking about how much energy are they going to burn trying to get this meal and, you know, how much are they going to get out of the meal. So if you're going to swing and miss on three or four bait fish when it's hot, oxygen levels are low, that's not a really good deal yeah. for a fish. You're not going to get to be the 18-inch smallmouth yeah. we saw today. But you can slowly come up and suck down a little dragonfly. Yeah. That's a pretty that's a pretty good meal. So, Which is kind of amazing because I had seen some guys using blue poppers recently, and I must admit I've never used one. Didn't realize that what the – color matching was going for there and i saw one of those dragonflies on the water today you pointed it out and i was like oh my goodness that is yeah and it's funny i'm not usually a huge color guy um but i had fished that popper that color popper on the new river a few weeks ago and it done really well and then i was up on a tributary of the upper james and it didn't do that well black did really well yeah went back to the new river a few days ago through the black for 45 minutes and never had anything happen and then i see a blue dragonfly go okay i need to put on a blue uh-huh Boom, we're on the rest of the day so i think it's kind of fishery specific but if you're seeing the blue ones throw the blue yeah i mean it's day-to-day sure. specific that's uh something that i love about like what fly fishing is kind of i did it a lot when i was younger and i took about a 15 year hiatus just like put it down kind of yeah. i think i didn't take my rod to college with me uh-huh. And just like never went back home and got it, you know, fish some while I was in college. Clemson's got a lot of water around at Lake Hartwell, you know, close to some mountain trout water. So borrowed gear, went fishing, but just didn't bring my with mine with me. And I, I think it maybe broke or something at some point. I cannot remember exactly what happened, but just never got another one. Never went back to it, and maybe in the last two years picked it up. And it has forced me to be a lot more analytical in how I break down just like even a 20 yard stretch of the river and yeah. it's when you remove the ability to really cover water you kind of have to you got to find a way to compensate right like yep. if you're gonna catch fish you have to be better you can't just cover water and like piss one off yeah hey guys we're gonna take a quick break from the show to talk about one of our podcast sponsors backcountry and beyond you can visit backcountry and beyond at 322 south main street in salisbury north carolina it's just a walk down from the office from us so it makes it quite dangerous to my credit card statement every month um for example i guess two weeks ago three weeks ago now i bought one of the groove life belts i'm absolutely obsessed i have considered throwing away every single belt that i've got because it's it's a game changer she's about sure. got me talked into one she's yeah. not kidding i'm not messing around i wear it every single day it's the handiest easiest belt and 
I wouldn't have believed that a belt would change my life. Well, there you go. It's right. It's right on the cusp of changing my life. Come on down to Backcountry Beyond, get a life-changing belt. For sure. And they've also got a ton of women's apparel that they've brought in from brands like Prana, Cool, Helly Hansen, and Marshware is actually coming out with a women's line here in April. So hop on that train first. Be a Exciting stuff. I'm excited for that, but... They've got all kinds of great stuff. They do. They've also got some great new products from Traeger, um, one of which we're going to be having as a prize in our conservation raffle. Traeger has put out an awesome new flat top griddle this year that's brand new for this spring and summer season. So if you are not someone who typically is, you know, you don't consider yourself to be a lucky person, just come on down here and see Jeff at Backcountry Beyond and pick one up. I mean, it's not even just the Traeger that they've got here that's awesome for cookware either. I know at the front they had that awesome looking. Yeah, the Smithy. Yeah, the Smithy Ironware out of Charleston. Um, You guys may or may not know this about me. I have kind of a culinary background. Used to own a food truck. Was hoping to take it into a restaurant, but the pandemic happened. Uh, But that Smithy Ironware, that is really nice stuff. That's top notch. You should definitely come check it out. Yeah, so stop on by at Backcountry and Beyond. The team at Montgomery Community College in Troy invite you to get to know their taxidermy program. For decades, MCC has been helping taxidermy enthusiasts explore their industry as either a hobby or an exciting career option. Students of all ages and abilities can participate in day or evening classes and explore this craft in either mammal or fowl classes. Past projects include deer, beaver, fox, coyote, wolf, swan, duck, turkey, and more. Taxidermy is considered one of MCC's Heritage Crafts programs. Other specialty programs include gunsmithing, hunting and shooting sport management, forest management technology, and pottery. Visit montgomery.edu to see course descriptions and explore the exciting world of taxidermy for yourself. Oh, no. You know? No, it's, it's far less efficient than using conventional gear. So you got to know when you do make a cast, you're getting the most out of it. Um, so you really kind of, I feel like you, you're, you're stealthy, you're trying to get into your spots, you're more observant, you're trying to make sure, okay, like, if I'm going to splat the water, let's make sure I do it in a fishy spot, you know, yeah. um, rather than just kind of, like you said, blasting the cast out there and covering water. Yep. And making a lot of noise, too. I mean, something we noticed today, like, if we, had, we were in Carter's Raft, and, you know, you bump the side of the raft, you make a wave, your shadow crosses the wrong spot. Oh, yeah. Like you're not careful with how you cast your shadow. We we each caught one fish. I we spooked like two or three really nice ones that you and I both hey. like got big eyes <laughs> at and then, you know, probably another twenty or thirty smallies are just shooting out from under the raft and not you know, not wanting to sit around and no, they knew we were coming yeah. long before they even took off, too. Um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, on that low water, the boat was kind of a gear hauler and helped us get through a few of the deeper spots and position ourselves. But, yeah, right now it's all about making a really good, set, you know, stalk on where you think the fish are, trying to walk like a heron if you can, not yeah. fish awake. All that is huge. Although if it I- comes up, it'll be good. You always hear that, and I spook a lot of fish, but, like, if you – so think about it. Who was splashing around walking beside us <laughs> when that fish ate? Yeah. Cheese was getting a little a little wild over uh-huh. there on the shoreline, but it didn't do anything. No, I mean – and now I don't know if that was because that fish was holding in one of the deeper spots on the river. Yeah, more than likely I had no idea we were over there, but it's, yeah. uh, I feel like – I was getting worried about it, and I was like, he's going to 
spook fish. We're not going to see anything. <laughs> then I saw that thing come up and eat. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, I was not. I think I was looking back at cheese when it ate. I also think, though, I. so you guys will see this when Carter and I just reviewed the video footage. I am very proud of us for not sounding like just totally undone and jacked and like we're losing our minds in the video like we were both pretty calm you know yeah it's rare for that no most of the time if i'm posting a video that thing is muted you're yeah, not getting yeah. any audio from music it music in the background uh-huh. i'll look a lot cooler than you hear right kind of squeal but yeah yeah you start getting that high pitch you're like who is that guy that's yelling at the camera like that's not me oh man yeah yeah we kept it under control um didn't have the net with us got it in the hand no yeah got it in yeah yeah we kind of just were like well we're at the end of the road let's let's walk up in here give it a few casts so i talked about this on a previous podcast like i have a superstition and i don't have many but i feel like it's a thing and uh in terms of duck hunting bringing the game strap with you if it's not already in my bag and i see it laying out on like my workbench or something before i'm headed out on a hunt i generally won't grab it Cause I'm like, no, 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 don't get cocky. You put the like twelve bird game strap in your bag. Oh, You're not gonna need that. That's you don't one. Get me started on. I've got a So bag. like, if we took the net with us, you know, do you think we would have caught that fish? Probably not. So the duck strap thing. Yeah. I've told you about my brother and I have a little lease up at our place uh-huh. in the mountains that we duck hunt and kind of a diamond in the rough. Um, and. Uh, like a year or so after we got permission we're talking with the landowners and they kind of dropped the name that they have for the piece of property they call it the Stillwater tract and so we sort of had this joke we're like oh we're hunting the Stillwater farm this weekend and so one week we go up there and my brother shows up and he had this duck board made you know where they have the nails Uh in there so you can hang all the birds and this is probably like the the trip following an excellent hunt up there. Right. And so he has this duck board made and like plasma cut out of steel. It says Stillwater and it's got like a cupped up mallet or something. Uh-huh. We haven't had a good hunt up there since we got that duck yeah. board. So thank you, Cliff, for putting <laughs> the curse on our duck spot. That's the way it goes, man. <laughs> like, I don't know if I believe in the bananas thing. You know, like for our listeners out there, there is, I don't even know where it started or how it started. If you don't already know this, uh we're gonna tell you Uh, fruit flies flies on boats boats. it probably had like a really practical you know origin origin story i was gonna say origination but origin story there's probably some practicality you know at least it's rooted in a little bit of it but i just nowadays it's like some people are nuts about that like there are people that get i i kind of if somebody says it and it's a i always take it as a joke and there's a few times where that is not worked out well like people have actually gotten pretty upset and yeah. they're like no i'm i'm not kidding like and don't even like a, say that word on this boat it's funny to me it seems to be more of a saltwater geared thing they for sure really like and it's funny i growing up in the salt water like i i just it's in my blood to not take a banana on a boat but i don't I, really even like them like well it's funny i eat a fair amount but uh i caught myself floating down the river one day eating a peanut butter and banana sandwich yeah and we were catching fish and i kind of went oh sweet all right i've Cursed, but I've also heard the story of a two-engine boat going offshore, both engines going out, and they're getting towed in, and like a guy gets a banana out of his lunchbox and uh-huh. almost gets thrown overboard. Yeah, so. for sure. <laughs> I think it, yeah, if you've experienced uh, some malfunctions, some equipment malfunctions offshore, you, tensions get yeah high, hot, 
don't get yeah. out of your banana. <laughs> That's for sure. Then everybody's looking at you. What's everybody looking at? You know? Yeah. So. I don't know. It's funny. I'm not a superstitious guy really either, but I find myself to be more superstitious in the woods and fishing and this is more creature of habit type. I like my routines. And yeah, for sure. Feeling like those things kind of stack. Oh, I definitely them. am very ritualistic around yeah. my like processes, things that I do, snacks that I bring, you know, all that stuff is like rooted in probably a good trip I had when I was a kid, you know, that mm-hmm. there's like a just core memory drilled in there and glass bottle sun drops and nabs are like part of that right um drops always good but it's funny like it's it's interesting to talk about superstition here because that's something that's kind of i have heard i've heard some uh a few of our members tell me this you know we have members who spend a lot of time here some of them live in this area and they will definitely talk about it being you know, like magical is not the word, haunted's not the word, but just like a little something, you know, like there's, yeah. you know, a couple years to put it in perspective without, I guess, leveling too much opinion on the matter. There, the History Channel filmed a Bigfoot show here. Okay. So there is like that element exists. Um, and yeah, I think for a long time before that, you know, people talk about Native American ghosts, you know, there's been, we were talking about the artifacts today. So yeah. this is something I mentioned on the phone, but. Some of the sites around here, the artifacts, and I, maybe my first week at the Land Trust, we had a ribbon cutting on that Friday at Morrow Mountain State Park. We transferred, like, it was 215 acres to the park to expand it uh, right up against, like, the very backside of the town limits of Baden. Nice. Um, so good, you know, very important buffer around the park to protect. But anyway, he was talking about, you know, we're on this ridge top looking out over the Yadkin River, what was the Narrows of the Yadkin River, I think it's now Falls Reservoir, and talking about the Hardaway site and the Loudons Ferry site and a few others in the area that, you know, they've got radiocarbon dated evidence of life, you know, artifacts at 12,000 years and some change and just kind of trying to imagine the scale of that. Yeah. You know, when you really think about it, like 12,000 years, so Great Pyramids were around, I don't know, like 8,000 years ago. That's wild. Yeah. It, that is wild. And it's just people have been coming here to this place for the abundance of fish, game, of, you know, the minerals we were talking about, yeah. like the the stones to make there's, points and scraper tools and knives. In these, these hills yeah. right here. <laughs> the North Carolina gold rush happened here. And yeah. God, I, I would get the date wrong. But that – and the gold rush here happened before it ever did out in California. I learned that recently. I was reading a book we have in our office. I knew there were two. I didn't know it. The North Carolina no angle predated idea. that. I had no idea about any of that gold stuff basically until you sent me that picture of the smallmouth and got me really interested mm-hmm. in here. I started doing some Googling and then, yeah, pulled up at the ramp this morning and there's somebody panning. There's a guy panning. So. Ask Carter if he had any smokes. <laughs> Carter said no. I do not have any smokes uh-huh. for you. Good luck but, with your uh, gold panning. He was panning. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little odd. I mean, not to like totally get sidetracked by that, but there was no vehicle. He didn't have shoes. I didn't see any shoes. He didn't have like a cooler or any bags. He had nothing with him other than like a couple of solo cups. A couple of solo cups. And I didn't really, he said he, I asked him, I said, Did you ha- have you found anything? He said he hadn't gone through his sluice yet. He was saving that for last. So. Yeah. I don't know. He's nice enough. He asked, you know, he offered to help me get the raft, yeah. the raft down, but. No, I didn't have any smokes. If he'd called me <laughs> 10 years ago, I'd have probably been able to Yeah, different story, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But I do love this area. It's fun to get down here. I kind of, um, I don't know. It, it's one of those things that it just, the nature of those fish and how out of place they are, how they're not supposed to be here has really like struck me um, when I started thinking about it and kind of, you know, to go back to the whole, there's a lot of legends in these, in these here hills yeah. or whatever. I, uh, I was telling you this today. I've not been able to find any actual NCWRC data. So if there's a wildlife resources commission employee out there listening, feel free to contact me and correct me if this information is wrong, but I, the stockings happened in the early seventies, best I can tell sometime between like 70 and 74. And, uh, I think it was in Barnes Creek and Cedar Creek. So not even the main stem of the river. And I'm not sure it ever happened again after that. I think it was like once or twice and just went down. And since then they've kind of, I don't, I mean, what we saw today was a thriving fishery. I mean, you, there was plenty of forage in there. There's plenty of stuff for them to eat. Oh, yeah. Plenty of places to hide and fish. I mean, we caught fish from probably six inches to 18. Yeah. And there's no shortage of small fish in there, which tells me there's plenty of big fish in there too. It's yeah. Just, you gotta, you gotta find They're them. hiding out somewhere under those oh. ledges, man. But, uh, yeah, it's perfect bottom in there. I noticed that, that like a you know, the New River, which everyone knows. Yeah, some River comparison. You... Great smallmouth fishery, right? Mm-hmm. And it is it's fantastic. But what I'll notice there is you'll go through stretches of the river where the uh, the bottom changes. Like you'll go through sections that are real kind of sandy bottom, not as fishy. You mm-hmm. get into those sections that are good, hard rock bottom. That's where you're finding lots of fish. And this seemed to be good, hard rock bottom yeah. everywhere. We um, did a little bit of walking. A little bit of walking. Yeah, and uh, uh, I'm not, I didn't step in any sand. No, it's uh, it's all rock. Um, I was actually amazed at how well we were able to navigate it as low as it was. Um, yeah. But it's a great wade, wade fishery. I mean, if you're just coming on foot or to bring a you know, canoe or kayak to kind of cover some ground, get out, excellent spot. How would you say it compares, like, to – because you've been spending a lot of time on the Maury – up in Virginia recently, and then where the James and Richmond, James. you were telling me, yeah. So this is significantly smaller, um, less flow, mm-hmm. not nearly as big, less depth. Um, but like, it's hard to tell from how short of a period. You know, we didn't cut. How much river do you think we covered today? Half a mile. Half maybe? a mile. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Between a quarter and a half a mile. Um, so you wouldn't expect us to catch a ton of fish. Um, I'll tell you what it does have is it has a lack of pressure. Which, yeah. And the, which to me is like gold, right? I mean, I'll take somewhere that has less numbers and less pressure over. For sure. So something interesting of note there, two things really. One, the first few times I came down here, I mostly fished around the bridge because they were quick stops. Mm-hmm. and didn't really catch much. Some sunfish, like one or two really undersized smallies. And I was like, man, that, you know, what's I keep hearing them. Like, people talk about catching big fish in here. What's up? And when I started getting away, cause, you know, as we came back today, it's a public access. It's a oh, yeah. local hangout. It, it's summertime. Like, it is, we're in the shade, and we can feel a breeze, and it's a warm breeze. Like, it feels like somebody's got a hairdryer going. Oh, yeah. You know, like, it's a hot day, so folks are hanging out in the river they're cooling off swimming playing got their dogs down there there's a lot of activity that's not where the big guys are going to hang out and so something i shared recently with our sap members and i want you to guess the distance average distance in yards of the public land hunter from his or her his or her vehicle 
in America. Like when they get to their spot, when they sit down to hunt, when they get set up, they are how many yards from their vehicle? 150? It's 500. 500. But still, I was guessing it to be not much because that's what you run into. People don't want to get away from the parking lots and, uh, or a good defined trail or something. So yeah, it's classic hunting and fishing stuff. If you're willing to walk a little bit further, you're probably going to find something a little bit better. And I felt like we found better fish progressively in each pool. Oh, yeah. As we got away from the activity, the noise, just kind of the... Well, and what excited me a lot about where we caught that nice fish was I've scouted this thing on Google Maps a lot recently. And it appears from the Google images, we were talking about how it's not, it's tough when to look at an image and then you get to the river. It's not always exactly what you think. But it seems like there are several of those deep sections of water yeah. you know, of river um that you can access by canoe or kayak so that's a lot of good water while the fish are we saw fish and tailouts and stuff i think they're more tar- easier to target in that deeper stuff. for sure you can get something to them i mean that would have been the frustrating thing about being a spin fisherman today is by the time you could get the slack out and start your retrieve whatever you're throwing would be a dragon on the oh, bottom yeah. You, yeah you don't there's almost nothing you could throw that you'd be able to suspend effectively for any amount of time to catch a fish like it'd have to be top water on a day like today yep so yeah um worth checking out to just to get down here to see these conserved lands to check out this fishery it um i've heard stories too of white bass coming up out of the lake in the springtime so that's something i want to come back have you ever like really nailed a white bass run i have not i've done it one time in my life um it was at a park i'll say this it was at a park not a state park, but a well-known park along the Aiken River south of Lexington. And just walked in there one day, kind of on a whim. It was like the end of March. I was, I think I had to, I, I had my duck hunting backpack with me to like carry stuff down to the river. And I ended up having to take my knife and cut the lead weight off the end of like a Texas rig, like uh-huh. decoy cord uh-huh. so I could make a stringer. Oh, wow. Yeah, because <laughs> I was in them. I mean, I and I looked it up and I was like, I mean, there's a pretty little silver fish. I was that the limit was still, or the minimum size, excuse me, was still ten inches at that time. Uh-huh. At that point, I think that was around like 2016. It's since become 13. Which the biologists, little side note, they know, man. Yeah. Like it is, you know, in South Carolina, the slot on redfish is 15 to 23 inches. Yeah. It's really hard to catch one in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that. There's not a ton, of, you know, yeah. like it's. Yeah, you catch a lot of 24s. Uh-huh, a whole lot of 24-inch redfish. Same deal with white bass and, you know, you a lot of 12-inchers. Yeah, it's funny. I've never done You can white. pinch that tail and, yeah. nah. I've never done the white bass thing. And every year, I'm like, this is the year I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, so it I always, walk. It coincides with the brown trout usually. Yeah. And I get. I know. You have to choose. Trap. I know. It's, so it's I walk tough. down to the river and, like, I, I had an ultralight spinning rod. And I start throwing. I think I had, like some sort of fluorescent like pink or orange or something jig not catching anything you know just nothing and this old there was one other guy fishing and he was like maybe 50 yards down river and i'm out there for 30 minutes he was drilling them i mean just the limit was like 15 at that point in time and i I, he had every bit of that on his stringer like he was wearing them out and after watching me get frustrated hanging my mess up in the trees and just getting you know i'm sure he heard me cussing a little bit he kind of like stops what he's doing and leans out and is like, "Hey!" And I look down and he goes, "They's eating what?" <laughs> and 
And I had one little one eighth ounce like white bucktail jig, and I threw that thing on, and I mean it was instantaneous. Just started nailing them. It was every other cast for as long as I would have wanted to stay. I think I put two or three on the stringer, big like fourteen, fifteen inch females. I mean, there was a lot of there's a lot of current in the Yadkin River at this spot, and they're a tall, skinny fish, kind of. Mm-hmm. So they complain, yeah, like a panfish, but they're like three times the size, yeah. and there's a lot more current. I, sh- I I was undergunned with the ultralight setup, but it's funny we were talking about that earlier. Like I hear there's a guy that I follow out of Headwaters Outfitters, and the thing he always preaches is like, if you're not getting bit, you don't need to totally change tactics you probably just need to change color. It was. Like, tactic is more about what allows you to effectively cover water, uh-huh. given the day's conditions, like low flow, high flow, yeah. whatever. Like, the type of lure you're throwing, how you're throwing it, where you're presenting it. That's more around, like, what do the conditions allow for? What the fish are going to eat is, what are we imitating today? What color pattern are we trying to nail? Definitely. That What are they keyed on? And today yeah. it was that blue dragonfly. Yeah. They dev- and it's funny because I got here... I got on the water a good 45 minutes before you got there. I was ready, yeah. to, I was ready to put a few under my belt before you got uh-huh. there. And I cycled through three poppers. I threw. I started with a black and white one, nothing. I think I put on a smaller olive, nothing. Went to that black. And then, yeah, I saw two or three blue dragonflies. I went, okay, put on the blue one. And, I mean, it yeah. wasn't like it was the – I didn't whale them, but I did get one really good bite. So That's all you need, man. Looking for the fish. The fish. Some, sometimes that's the, that's the that's the deal. All right, guys. Well, that brings us to right around our forty-five minute mark. Um, we don't want to keep you. In the words of a polite but passive-aggressive Southerner, let me let you go. <laughs> um, but Carter, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for fishing with us today. Me. Giving your thoughts on the fishery, um, guys. This is an incredible spot out here for many reasons. This is just one of those. Um, also, Carter Aylesworth Fly Fishing Yeah, I'm on Instagram. Instagram. You can check him out. Uh, he is booking trips left and right. Fills up fast. He can fish you pretty much in the Carolinas and Virginia. Yeah, I kind of stay um, western North Carolina, kind of Boone area up into southwest Virginia, and then kind of over to Burlington. But, you know, Smith nice. River, New River, James River, all that stuff. Beautiful. So, yeah, look him up. Uh, give him a call. And, again... To support local conservation, buy a raffle ticket. You could win a trip with him yeah, up to we'll the uh, out there. Smith River, chase some trophy brown trout. I went with him in October. We wade fished. You know, it took us a while to key in on the, again, on what they wanted, how to oh, present it, where to put it. But as soon as we did, we started catching fish. I think I had like an 18-incher, needed to get back to deal with the girls, and was like, hey, this looks good. I, you know, I'm going to call it here. I'm walking back. Thanks for showing me the spot. You were like, I'm going to hit one more spot. I left. And, you know, I had bad signal coming through, like, Eden and all that stuff on 220. By the time I got back to, like, Greensboro, my phone lights up. What was that fish? Did I you? I didn't measure it. Um, it was October. The thing looked like a pumpkin. I mean, October, it was, like, dressed in its fall uh, colors. It's, it was a beautiful fish. It's probably, it, one of the more beautiful ones I've laid. Big old kiped-up jaw, big like, big hook. Jaw. It's funny. I've been debating on, with a buddy of mine whether we had caught that fish before, like, two years prior. Uh-huh. There's some there's some <laughs> going on there. But anyway, I don't know. 19, 20 inch, everything you want in a yeah. brown trout. Absolutely beautiful and just cool to know that those things are still out there. 
Yep, just hanging out, swimming around, doing That's their right. fishy thing. For sure. All right, well, thanks for joining us. To the listeners out there, thanks for listening. A um, couple of things before I let you go. Buy more raffle tickets. Make sure if you want to do our fall-through hike. I saw the registration was getting pretty full with that, uh, so make sure you get your name on the list there. Get signed up if you want to join us for that. That's four days on the Uwari Trail in October. Going to be beautiful. Going to be a great time. we got some great stuff planned this year, and we are excited to have you out there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting, and we will see you out there, guys. If you like the show and would like the episodes to keep coming, you should know that our podcast is just one of the tools that we use at Three Rivers Land Trust to further our conservation mission. Our number one priority and purpose is to conserve land and natural resources for future generations and to be a voice for wildlife and to ensure wildlife populations have habitat forever here in North Carolina. This podcast is just a byproduct to further that mission. You can visit our website at trlt.org to join us in this conservation mission.